we're going to be in the Word of God and the chapter tonight that deals with the Word of God. Once again, Psalm 119. We are kind of uh, winding down, I guess, our series on Psalm 119. It's taken uh, a good portion of time at this point. We've just got a few uh, messages left out of this chapter. We're beginning tonight in verse 129 of Psalm 119. And so when you reach that place in the Bible, if you would stand, we'll read together uh, Psalm 119, verses 129 through 136. The Bible says here, Thy testimonies are wonderful, <clears throat> therefore doth my soul keep them. The entrance of thy words uh, giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Look thou upon me, and be merciful unto me, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. That is a really interesting phrase, as thou usest to do. Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant, and teach me thy statutes. Rivers of water run down mine eyes, because they keep not thy law. You can be seated tonight. As we're looking at this passage of scripture, and <clears throat> there's obviously a theme that runs throughout, throughout this chapter uh, about the value and importance of the word of God, our relation to it, how we draw nigh to the Lord through his word. But we come to this section tonight, and, and really as I was reading through this and just kind of uh, absorbing it and, and, and meditating on it a little bit, there was really one key phrase, I guess, that stood out to me, and it was the very first one, thy testimonies are wonderful. It's an expression of the psalmist's love and desire for the word of God. And so through that particular phrase, thy testimonies are wonderful, I started reading this section of the psalm with that mindset of why does the psalmist here love the word of God? And so from uh, th these seven verses, we're going to look at seven reasons to love God's word, all right? And I want you to notice, first of all, and again, verse 129, he says, Thy testimonies are wonderful, therefore doth my soul keep them. Then look at verse 131. He says, I opened my mouth and panted, for I longed for thy commandments. Here you have this expression of, of, of the psalmist saying, I just, not only do I love your word, not only do I recognize that the word of God is valuable and important, but I'm actually longing for it. I'm, I, I'm panting after it like, a, uh, like an animal maybe would be panting after water or, or air. And, and just I, I, many times when I was a kid, we had this dog, he's a Doberman Pinscher, and I remember so many times just running and running and running with that dog. And I'd run until that dog got so tired that he'd sit there with his mouth hanging open and just panting 
uh, kind of gasping for air in a lot of ways. And then I remember I'd get him a big full bowl of water. We have these cast iron bowls that we just fill with water. And, and I remember just seeing him just lap that water up because he was tired and he was thirsty. And here, the, the, that's what the psalmist is saying. I opened my mouth and panted, I longed for thy commandments. I mean, he is, he is thirsty for the word of God. And so let me say to you, I believe that the psalmist loved the word of God because he had developed an appetite for the word of God. Have you ever, uh, maybe, maybe there's a, a particular food or something that you like to, to eat or to drink that maybe not everyone that you know really enjoys. And uh, it's possible at some point you've said to them, you know, it's somewhat of an acquired taste. You ever said that before? It's an acquired taste. There are some tastes that I haven't acquired yet. Uh, but uh, but there, did you know that the word of God really is an acquired taste? It, it's not something that necessarily just comes naturally. It certainly doesn't come naturally to us in our natural state. Uh, if, you're, if you're a lost person, if you don't know the Lord, you're not going to have a real desire for the word of God because... 1 Corinthians tells us that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, right? They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they're spiritually discerned. So a lost person certainly doesn't desire the word of God. But even saved people don't always desire God's word as we ought to. Uh, we find ourselves sometimes struggling. I, I know that this is a, a common discussion that I have uh, with Christians, young Christians, uh, some that shouldn't be young Christians anymore, uh, just about the struggle that they have making it a priority to read the Word of God. Why is that? We, we don't have a problem, you know, making it a priority to watch our favorite sports team or, or, or see our favorite television show or, or whatever the case might be or read the newspaper or whatever, but why is it a hard thing? thing to learn there's it's actually there's actually a discipline to making it a priority to read the word of God why well because we don't necessarily naturally delight in God's word however if you will seek to make it a priority in your life and you will learn the discipline you know what you'll find there is delight in the word of God it's an acquired taste uh, the psalmist had developed an appetite for the word of God. Did you know that the Bible actually, in the word of God, we are commanded to develop that appetite? 1 Peter 2.2, what does it say? As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. That word desire is a commandment. You are commanded to desire the word of God. That tells me something. First of all, it's something that is attainable. Secondly, it's something that doesn't come naturally. If I have to tell you to do it, I, I don't have to tell you to breathe, right? You just do that. I don't have to tell you to drink some water when you're thirsty or eat when you're hungry. You, you do that naturally. I don't have to tell you to sit down if you're tired. You do that naturally. But if I, if I have to tell my children to do something, if I have to command them to do something, it's because it's something that doesn't come naturally. But if I give them a command, it's because I am assuming they are capable of obeying that command. 
And so don't get the idea that just because, well, I haven't really developed an appetite for the word of God, maybe it's not just not for me. No, friend, that's not the case at all. It's totally attainable because God told you to desire it. God told you to look for it. Now, two things, two things are necessary to acquire a taste. Number one, you have to exercise yourself in that thing. I know that there are foods that when I was a kid, I didn't like them. But over time, the more that I ate them, the more I got used to them and actually grew to like them. That's a fairly common thing. But you know what else has to happen in order to really develop an appetite for something? You have to stop filling yourself with things that would replace that. How many of you have ever been told, maybe as a, as a little kid, don't, you can't eat that cookie right now because it'll spoil your dinner, right? It'll, uh, you don't want to get full on the junk because then you won't desire the things which are good. Do you know, I really truly believe that one of the greatest hindrances that Christians have to loving the word of God is that they are full of junk. We fill ourselves with all kinds of things in order to satisfy our desires with things that never really truly satisfy, but we fill ourselves up in a way that we really don't have a desire for spiritual things. So maybe there's some things that need to be moved out of the way and, 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 and to take a backseat in our lives so that that which God has provided, that which is good, that we can develop an appetite for it to where it's actually something that we enjoy and take part in. The psalmist loved the word of God, number one, because he developed an appetite for it. Number two, because he delighted in awareness. He delighted in awareness. What, what do I mean by that? Look at verse number 130. He says, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. He says, I, I, I love your word, Lord, because it, it gives me light. What does light do? It, it helps me to see more clearly. It, it helps me to understand reality. It, it puts things in perspective. And the word of God does just that. Listen, we live in a world where there is darkness. We live in a world of confusion. We live in a world where things are just messed up. And, and honestly, the, the truth is we all need some wisdom and we need some clarity and we need some guidance. We need some perspective. And here's what the psalmist says. I have learned that the entrance of the words of the Lord gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. And I think he's writing this from the position of, I am a simple man and I need God's understanding. You see, one of the reasons that we ought to love the word of God is because we need God's wisdom. And his wisdom is found in his word. We need God's perspective, and his perspective is found in his word. The entrance of God's words give light. They give understanding to the simple. And the psalmist delighted in that awareness, in that clarity. He developed an appetite for the word of God. He delighted in awareness. Thirdly, he discerned, through the word of God, he discerned God's attributes. And in other words, we could say it this way, the, the psalmist learned some things about God from the word of God. It's funny how that works, isn't it? If you want to know God, if you want to know things about God, get into his word where he has revealed himself to us. Look at verse 132. 
the psalmist here makes a request. He says, look thou upon me and be merciful unto me. Now I think all of us can, can pray that way and say, Lord, I need your mercy. I need you to look upon me and, and be merciful to me. But then look, notice what he says. He says, as thou usest to do unto those that love thy name. Now that phrase, is a, it's a really interesting phrase. As thou usest to do... It, 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 it is a reference to just God's way of doing things. It, it has to do with, uh, it, it would be, maybe in our modern vernacular, we would say, uh, Lord, be merciful to me as you are accustomed to do, or as is your manner, as is your way. But it actually goes a little bit deeper than just that in itself, because it's a reference to God's way but the knowledge that this is God's way is based upon prior history. Lord, I have observed how you have conducted yourself and how you have worked with man in the past. And as, and as I see that, I see that you are a God who does this. I, I have seen that it is your way. You are accustomed to being merciful unto those that love your name. And that was something that was discerned from the word of God. David, and I've told you I believe David wrote this psalm. As he looked back at the Old Testament law and he saw how God dealt with man, he was able to say, Lord, you did it for them. You did it for Abraham. You did it for Moses. You did it for Noah. You did it for Enoch. You did it for, fill in the blank, those people of the past. I've seen how you did that. But now that I know that this is your manner, this is your way, here is my request. I need you to come through for me. Have you ever noticed that there is sometimes a disconnect between what we know to be true of God in a general sense and what we really believe about God in a personal sense? In other words, I know that God is good, but I don't think that God is good to me. I, I, I know that God is able to do whatever he wants to do, but I don't think God will do this for me. There's a disconnect sometimes between what we generally know about God but, and, and what we understand and realize personally. And I believe that what, the, what David is saying here is this, I have seen how you are a God who is merciful to those that love your name. And Lord, I love your name, but I need you to do for me. I, I need you to be merciful to me. I need to make this personal and real. And folks, I, I can't uh, emphasize this enough. It is so important and so vital for us to learn about our God and who he is and his attributes and his ways. But that really does very little for us if we do not appropriate that personally in our lives. In other words, it's one thing to recognize that God is merciful to sinners, that God saves the lost. But if you never received Christ as your Savior, it did you no good to know that, did it? Okay, so, well, I've been saved. Great. Do you know that God answers prayer? 
Well, sure, I know that God answers prayer. After all, the Bible says he does. And, 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 and look at all of the examples that we can point to. Can I ask you this? Are you experiencing that personally in your life today? You see, the word of God, is, is it, it reveals God to us, not just so that we can know more about him, but so that we can actually draw closer to him. So that it can become real in our lives. Hold your place here and go with me to the book of Romans in chapter 15. Romans 15. And I, I want to show you one of the express purposes of the word of God and the things that have been written here. <clears throat> Look at verse number 4 of Romans 15. It says, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Okay, so the Bible was written so that we could learn from it. But it doesn't stop there, does it? It says that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. <laughs> what does that mean? I, th this book has been given to re so that God can reveal himself to me. But not just so that I can know some things about God, but through the knowledge of God that I may have hope. In, in other words, it, it needs to be real to me. This, this book, I, through this book, I have discerned God's attributes and, and it matters to me. It changes me. It changes my, even the way that I pray and talk to the Lord because I know some things about him. Can I ask you, do you know God? Do you know him through his word? Do you know anything more than just simply what you've been taught? Because as you draw an eye to the Lord through his word, it will change the way that you relate to him. It'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you view situations and needs in your life. Why? Because you know God through his word. So... The psalmist loved the word of God because he developed an appetite for it. He delighted in awareness the clarity that the word of God gives. He discerned God's attributes through the word, but he also found directions for his actions. He found instruction for his life. Look at verse number 133, if you would. He says, order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. You see, one thing that this man knew is that he needed God to be in charge of his life. He needed God to be directing his steps. He, he needed the Lord to be uh, leading the way. Psalm, what is it, Psalm 37, verse 23, says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I don't know about you, but I want God to order my steps. The heart of man deviseth his way, but, but the Lord directeth his steps. I want God to direct my steps. I, I don't want my life to just be planned out and executed by me. Because I, I'll make a mess of things. I need the Lord to order my way. I, I need him to direct me and guide me and to lead me. I need him to give me wisdom in decisions that I make. How do I find that? How do I, how do I gain the wisdom of God? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Well, Lord, I need wisdom. Where do I find it? It's in the word of God. What does he say? Order my steps in thy word. 
And then notice he also says, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. Lord, give me freedom from the bondage of sin. How do I find freedom from the bondage of sin? Well, I need to find a good 12-step program and, and find someone to keep me accountable. Listen, there's nothing wrong with getting help if you have bondage and sin. But do you know the greatest source of help that you can find is in the Word of God? If you will get into God's Word and walk according to it, and walk in, a, in the power of the Holy Spirit through the direction of the Word of God, God can actually lead your steps out of bondage. He needed God to direct His actions. Fifthly, He loved the Word of God because He needed deliverance from His affliction. Look at what he says in verse 134. Deliver me from the oppression of man, so will I keep thy precepts. You say, what does that have to do with the word of God? You see, we learned from, the previous, uh, from our previous study in this chapter that this psalmist, David, or whoever it was, didn't have a very easy life, did he? He had affliction. He had enemies. He had people that were seeking to destroy him. He had things that were weighing him down in his life. And there was one thing he realized. He needed God. Did you know that every time we make it a priority to get into the word of God and read it, study it, and seek to obey it, we are, maybe not verbally, but by our actions, we are admitting to God that we need his help. And on the other side of that coin is for us to ignore the word of God, to neglect the word of God, to treat it as though it's kind of, you know, just not a real priority in our lives. That's really an expression to God that says, I don't really need you, Lord. I've got this myself. I've got everything I need to know right up here. I don't really need your help. I don't need your guidance. I don't, I, I don't need your direction. The psalmist here says, deliver me from the oppression of man. Lord, I find myself in affliction, and I need your deliverance, and I am expressing to you, I am longing for your word because I need your help. Folks, I believe that we ought to daily express to God I need your help. I need you to speak to me and guide me and help me. Because if you don't order my steps, and if you don't give me deliverance, and if you don't help me, I'm lost. I, I can't do this on my own. And making the word of God a priority in our lives is, the, is expressing that to the Lord. Lord, I need you. So he developed an appetite for the word of God. He delighted in the awareness that God's word gives. He discerned God's attributes through his word. He found directions for his actions through his word. He expressed that he needed deliverance from his affliction. And this one kind of goes hand in hand. He desired God's assistance. Look at verse 134, or 135 rather. He said, make thy face to shine upon thy servant. And teach me thy statutes. Lord, I have oppressors. I have enemies. I have problems. I need help with those. But what I really need and what I really desire, Lord, I want to live in your blessing. Make your face to shine upon me. 
I want you to think about that. That was kind of a common phrase, even a blessing that you would give uh, to someone, right? That, that I, I, I desire or, or may the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. And that was kind of a common phrase, a blessing. But I want you to really think about this. We read over in the book of Revelation that in the new heaven and the new earth, and the new Jerusalem is there, that there will be no more night and there will be no more need for the sun because the Lamb of God will be the light of that place. I can't even quite fathom, I can't even quite imagine what that is going to look like, that just the glory that radiates from the Lord Jesus Christ will illuminate heaven. That, that just fascinates me. Now, not everyone can relate to this, but something that uh, I've noticed, especially it seems like the older I get, the more that this is a reality in my life. When the sun is shining, and I can feel the sunshine on my face or on my back or something, I feel better. Physically, emotionally, I feel better. When it's gloomy and the clouds are thick and it's just kind of dark and dreary, I just kind of feel down. Physically, I'm tired. I, I, I just don't necessarily have as positive an outlook on life. I, I don't know what it is. It was one of the reasons I love living in Texas. Big open skies and bright sunshine most of the time. It just made me feel good, honestly. But you know what? I think that's going to pale in comparison to what it's like to have the, the light that's radiating from the throne of God shining on us. I can't imagine the glory that, that I'll get to experience and feel just sensing and feeling physically the presence of God lighting up the world around me. That's going to be incredible. I, I can't even imagine it. But isn't that exactly what he's asking the Lord to do? Make your face to shine upon me. Lord, I want to live in your blessings. I, I, I want to be blessed by you. So he says, and teach me thy statutes. Lord, I want to live in your blessing, so give me your word. What? Did you know that there's a blessing associated with the word of God? There's blessing. If you will delight yourself in the word of God, you will find blessing in it. Psalm 1, one of my favorite psalms. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. That statement about the blessed man, blessed is the man, that word blessed literally means to be happy, joyful, and living in constant blessing. And, and, and so there's this association with a person who kind of ignores the counsel of the world and, and, and just the philosophies of the world and, and puts those away from him but delights himself in the word of God. That is a person who lives in the blessings of God. And then I want you to just go with me one more place uh, before we kind of wrap up this psalm. Revelation chapter number 1. Revelation chapter 1. And I understand that this is maybe specific to this particular book of the Bible, the book of the Revelation. But I want you to consider this with me. It says, Revelation 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. 
And he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Listen to this. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. Every time I read through the book of Revelation, I come to that. I just get excited. Wow, God is going to bless me simply for reading and studying this book and seeking to obey it? Well, that's a blessing specific to the book of Revelation, but it really applies to all of the Bible. Blessed is he which readeth this. Blessed is he which seeks to understand it. <laughs> and blessed is he which seeks to obey, to keep those things that are written in that God, if you want to live in the blessings of God, I, I want to live in the blessing of God, then we have to live in his word. Get into the word of God. Make thy face to shine upon me. Lord, bless me. Teach me thy statutes. And then I want you to notice kind of the, the opposite side of this coin as you go to back to Psalm 119. He loved the word of God because he developed an appetite for it. He delighted in the awareness that he gained from the word of God. He discerned God's attributes through his word. He found directions for his actions in the word of God. He needed deliverance from his affliction and he desired God's assistance in his life. But he concludes this portion of the psalm with an expression or a, a statement that reveals that he deplored apathy he despised those or, or or the fact that many did not keep the word of god look at verse 136 he says rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law he says as i consider that people are rejecting the word of god it creates really I'm broken hearted over that. I, I, rivers of water uh, flow, flow from my eyes, right? Isn't that what he says? Rivers of water flow, uh, run down mine eyes. I, I, I'm weeping over the fact that there are people that don't keep the law of God, the word of God. Why? Why would it be? Listen, if I love God, I hate sin, right? I, that's just, that's just a reality. You can't love God and love sin. You hate God. I mean, you love God, you hate sin. You love sin, you hate God. Those, those two things, you, you cannot have, have it the other way. You can't have both a love for God and uh, an acceptance of sin. However, we continue to love people. When I look at people that I love, family, friends, who've rejected the word of God, it grieves me. Why would it grieve us? Well, for one, if you know the Lord, you know what they're missing out on. Man, I got saved. I became a child of God. I have a relationship with the creator of the universe. I have fellowship with him. He's given me his spirit that abides with me always. I have peace and joy 
in my life. I have love that I could never generate on my own. It's just from him. God has done a work in me. And as I look at other people around, I feel like, man, you, you do not know what you're missing. You just don't know what you're missing. You know, most of the world tonight would look at what we're doing here, that we'd come together in the middle of the week and have a Bible study together and spend time in prayer, and they'd say, man, you're a bunch of weirdos. I want to tell you, there is nothing in this world that I would rather be doing right now. I mean that. I'm glad to be with you tonight, gathered around the Word of God. I'm thankful for the time we had before His throne in prayer. I mean, this is, this is the greatest place on earth. I'm serious about that. I know what they're missing. So it grieves me. But even beyond that, think about this. I also know what they're headed for. As I look at the world around me, as they reject God, they reject His Word. And I know... They're living today in God's mercy, but there's going to come a time that they're going to face His judgment. There is coming a day when whosoever is not found written in the book of life will be cast into the lake of fire. How can I love people and not be grieved by that? How, how can I love the people that Christ died for and not be burdened about the reality that they are headed for destruction. It should break our hearts. He wept because he knew what they were missing, because he knew what they were headed for. But have you ever stopped to think, maybe the, the greatest problem with people rejecting God and His Word isn't just what they're missing and where they're headed I know God, and I love God, and I realize that He is worthy of their worship. It causes me to cringe when I see the blasphemy and hatred of God that is so rampant in this world, in our society. I think there was a day not that long ago where the average American had some kind of a fear or a reverence for God and His Word, but friend, that is gone. I saw a video yesterday of a Methodist church, I use that term very loosely, that had a drag queen up on the platform talking to kids. And the pastor of this church used Romans 12 as a proof text for why this, that God was pleased with this. Because he said that we, we are not to be conformed to this world, we are to be transformed. And here was this drag queen who was not conforming to gender norms was transformed into who they, quote, really were. And I thought, I mean, I, I just don't, 
I, I, I don't even have the words to express the fear that I have for those people. That they would use God and His Word not just as justification, but as glorification for absolute debauchery. Friend, God is worthy of so much more than that. There's nothing funny about that. There's nothing... I don't just roll my eyes at it. I mean, seriously, it... it in one sense, my heart hurts for them, but in a much much more real sense, I'm, I'm angered on behalf of the Lord <laughs> because it is so blasphemous to a God who is so worthy of our worship. Rivers of water flow down my eyes because they keep not thy law. This is a an emotion that's really only experienced by someone who knows and loves God. And so here you have this psalmist who is expressing his love for the word of God. And he says just those simple words at the beginning of verse 129. Thy testimonies are wonderful. Christian friend, can I ask you, have you found the word of God to be wonderful? Is it sweet to your taste? Have you developed an appetite for it? Are you in the word of God? Are you making it a priority and allowing God to reveal himself to you through his word? If not, can I challenge you tonight to find delight in the word of God? To do, as it says in 1 Peter 2, to desire the sincere milk of the word. 